Hello and welcome back to Scarves Around the Funnel, the podcast dedicated to Heart of Midlothian Football Club, the team with a defence as solid as the old castle rock right now. I am Laurie Dunsire, joined by a returning Mark Donaldson. Hello, that felt weird last week. Good show, enjoyed it with Bruce. Um, talking about the women's game and, and, and the history, listening in Denver. It just felt weird after a hundred and goodness knows how many episodes. I felt like Craig Gordon's going to feel like when he eventually concedes. It's, uh, it's, it's weird when you're not used to something. <laughs> how Craig Gordon felt in that 100th game that he didn't play in because he was suspended after playing 99 in a row. Yeah, never mind him trying to get to a hundred. He's gonna, he's gonna. My record is, is well, it's not a record because you've now got it. But he's gonna, he's gonna try and eclipse that, and then he's got it. There'll be one week you're at a wedding in Aberdeen because that's where you always go, and and I'll do it with someone else. Um, so yeah, you, you, I've passed the torch on. It was a, it was a torch that we both held. We had one arm on each. And <laughs> now you've got it yourself. But no, good show, good show last week, Bruce. Um, very interesting. I uh, didn't realise he was a beast-like boy. Um, and just the whole history of the women's game is the father of a, a three-year-old who I, I'm not going to push towards a certain sport, tennis, because they earn fortunes now. Um, but I, I want her to try, Eva Grace, to try as many things as possible. And and football, soccer over here is, is huge for, for girls and, and for women. So it, it was interesting to learn the, the history of the game and, and how they were jettisoned for as many years and mm-hmm. it was an interesting question that you asked that if that hadn't have happened what stage would the women's game have right now because I mean they were they were treated like pariahs for yeah. about 50 years or something just really interesting and I can't get to the show at the festival but hopefully as many people um, that can do so because uh, I think it's very interesting and but the thing that got me was being able to sit in the main stand outside at Tyne Castle and have a beer during mm. a performance um, will be will be something something very different in August. So good luck to the guys that are involved with that. Yeah, that was Bruce Strachan who who came on last week in place of Mark, who was away at the baseball, and he spoke about his latest production, uh, which is called Sweet FA. If you didn't listen to the show last week so that'll be part of the fringe this year a follow-up to his previous play which was a war of two halves which was also um, held at Tyne Castle so you can uh, follow them on twitter at sweet fa show or you can visit this is my story productions.co.uk and there's more info there and i think more info on the hearts page and twitter as well um apart from missing Obviously, the show last week or the show, the podcast. Um, you've we've not had a chance to speak about any games, so no. I guess we'll have a chat about the three competitive games and maybe one of the friendly matches as well. Since we were last on together, um, have a look at how the kind of team are shaping up for the new season, the system, the formation, uh, players, and we also want to have a look at the youngsters and what might happen with them. I know that's been a big focus for a lot of fans recently, especially with a few more younger players being given some game time at the start of this season, which is good to see. Um, Possibly touch upon the crowds or potential crowds at some of the games coming up. And as always, whatever tends to crop up over the next hour or so. Okay, let's get stuck into some of the matches first of all. So since... I know I touched upon it briefly with Bruce last week, but since we were on together, we've had three games for Hearts, of course, three. um, I'm going to call I just want to call it the Betfred Cup games, and I saw Robbie Nielsen called it the Betfred Cup in an interview as well. Just call it the League Cup. League Cup. I know someone said that just call it the League Cup. It's easier. Premier Sports Cup, but yeah, League Cup. Um, So there was the win over Peter Head up uh, in Aberdeenshire. Uh, There was the 3 0 victory over Cove Rangers, and then just. A couple of nights ago, Hearts won 2-0 away to Stirling Albion. Um, I'll get your thoughts generally, Mark, on um, the performances in the games overall. And you can give a bit more insight into the Sunderland game, because I was actually driving back from my little trip away when that was being played. Um, but the Stirling game is the latest game, which was on Tuesday evening. And Hearts put out a strong team again, which you know they're gearing up for 
the league season and certainly that big Celtic game at the end of the month. But the Sterling team has started this season quite strongly and they were well organised. They got men, to beh- men behind the ball, um, made it very tricky for Hearts and broke at pace a couple of times. And it was one of these games where, you know, Dylan BK is not a player or a name that many Hearts fans will remember or remember fondly given he only spent four months at the club and made two appearances in total. But he, he, he actually caused us a couple of problems and um, almost got in behind the defence early on. Dale Carrick, another former Hearts player, should have scored. And I guess there was some concerns with this game. In the end, it was a fairly routine win, a 2-0 victory. But I suppose one of the concerns was with this match, Mark, and I know you weren't able to see it. Obviously, there was very little options. And I think from what I've heard that the pay-per-view that was available was um, not very watchable. Uh, but from what we saw, it was similar to some of the games we've seen before where Hearts were very easily nullified. And this was obviously a League 2 part-time club. When they got men behind the ball, there was maybe not enough tempo from the Hearts players. And um, at times as well, I thought they maybe got in behind a little bit too simply that you would hope for against a team of that quality. Um Obviously, all's well that ends well, but how much do you read into these matches at, at this stage? The pre-season games with something to play for is, is what they are. They're, they're a boost to the fitness. I'd love to think that I could remember when I believe I read the Robbie Nielsen quote about using the, the League Cup group stage as um, a, a platform for... I think I'm sure he said like some youngsters as well as some of the other boys. And, and his team selection has been, been pretty telling because mm-hmm. it, it's it's as close to a first 11 as, as you're likely to, to get. There might be one or two tweaks, but it's a front three that you would expect to start the season. Boys through the middle and flanked either side by Janelli and yeah, I think and um, Stephen. I think the team that I predicted for Peterhead was actually the... Was it not the exact 11 that I said? You, you, you nailed it. You nailed it. And, and the two games I haven't seen, uh, Sterling and Peterhead, I have listened to the full game. I've made an effort to, to, to do that because I think it's important. I mean, there was a couple of times last season that I didn't um, watch a game because of whatever reason. But I, I, I always watch the goals afterwards, but I do try and listen to the games. And, and yeah. It depends if your glass is half full or if your glass is half empty, and we'll get to that later. Ultimately, no goals conceded, albeit we could have done against Cove. I think it was early doors when Michael Smith, I believe, cleared off the line. Um, They had a couple of chances. Just seeing um, BK and and Carrick, it was a kind of... (laughs) It it was like a, a Room 101 of Hearts. And that might be a homework one week, a Room 101 with Hearts Connections, of what it might have been like if if wrong decisions had been made. And I think sometimes when, when you let players go from the football club that have come through the ranks, you, there must be part of you who makes a decision that thinks, have I made the right decision? Um, but those decisions are made for, for a reason. I think it was Callum Morrison went to Falkirk and, and yeah. did well there. And you think, have we missed a trick here? But it was perfectly clear. So guys like Callum Elliott, Jamie Mole, Dale Carrick, uh, Dylan Beakey as well, they are where they are for a reason. And if they were better or more importantly, more consistent than they are. Because you're still playing at a decent enough level. You're still playing pro, semi-pro uh, football. Uh, I know that a lot of these guys are, are, are part-timers, but, but you're not going to get there if you're shy. So Canick had something, but it wasn't at our level. BK, again, flashes, but just too inconsistent. I mean, and that was I the mean, issue for them. BK got t- BK played. Twice. I mean, I think Carrick is slightly different with more than 50 appearances. Oh, yeah, I, I get that, but how many how many games do you have to see someone play before you think or before you can make a decision on, on whether or not he is good enough? I mean, we've had a lot of players in the last 20 years or so, and those who've watched Hearts, well, let's say the last 30 years, those who've watched Hearts before that will, will no doubt remember many others as well that probably weren't good enough to play for Hearts, but for whatever reason, ended up starting or being around the squad. Now, how many of those players have we got? I don't know. I don't. I, hopefully not too many. I, I have to say, I'm slightly surprised we've not been um, busier in the, the transfer market, but 
Again, we don't know what's happening behind the scenes. This is when agents do their business. They don't come and agree terms with the first team that, that wants their client. I'm one of these fans that wants things done as quickly as possible. I'm sure Robbie wants that as well because you want your player to be able to integrate. You see the, the, the player the Celtic have just signed. They got rid of Christopher Iyer for a decent amount. They brought another guy in, but he's going to have to quarantine. So if we sign someone from outside of the United Kingdom, that's probably going to have to happen as well. But it's not just as easy as that. And I think it's important to, to see two sides to the story. We don't know the full story as to, to why Robbie hasn't made as many signings as I'm sure he would hope um, that he could have made by now. But between now and the Celtic game, a week on a week on Saturday, I'll be disappointed if we don't have further new additions in there. But what are they looking for? Well, they're looking for a left centre-back. Now, Kingsley's played there, and Cochrane's played as a left wing-back, as we thought would happen. What have you made of Cochrane in the games that you've seen so far? Um, I think he... <laughs> I think he certainly looks more like a left-sided defender than a left centre back. Um, although mm-hmm. in the games I've, I've uh, in the competitive games he's mainly played on the left-hand side. They actually swapped the two of them a couple of times during the Sterling game. So Kingsley in the first half briefly went to left wing back and Cochrane dropped into left centre back, and then they did the same switch again for a brief spell in the second half. That was before. Hearts did switch to a four eventually for the closing stages. Um, I, I don't think he's. I think he's been fine. Um, I thought he got forward a little bit more against Sterling, but again, you've obviously got to take that into context. Um, he's one of the, and he set up the the goal for Pollock when he got the got up into the box and cut the ball back. I think he's been fine. I, I, I I've struggled to say more than that. He seems to have a decent engine on him. Um, defensively seems sound enough. Um, I, I don't think he's blown me away g- going forward. I think Michael Smith has, I would say, really kind of overshadowed him with the way he's been playing recently. Maybe not in the Sterling game so much, but you know against Cove Rangers, I mean, Michael Smith played five or six positions really well, I thought. Um, so I, I think it's too early to judge. He seems a solid player. I feel like if we're going to play this 3-4-3, we might need someone else, though. I, know, I think another centre-back is a must. I guess my concern is if we play this 3-4-3 and we don't sign another left-sided wing-back, um, I guess it depends if we want to play Halliday there. I just, I, I'm just not sure about Kingsley and Cochrane as options going forward if we're looking to attack teams with this 3-4-3. We had a discussion three or four weeks ago about Stephen Kingsley and... and what will happen to him this season. And if he stays fit, I, I, I'm still not convinced they see him as a regular left wing back. I think that's why they, they, they signed Cochrane. Mm-hmm. I just, I'm not sure they think he quite has the engine to get back and forward as required. Now, different no, games I'd agree will, with that. Yeah, different games will require um, different characteristics. Some games, you... I was just thinking you... If you're going to play that formation, do you play it in all games? Because Ross County at home, different from Celtic away. So we talk about formations, Laurie, and so many people just say, well, it's a 5 for one or it's a 3 4 three, or, or whatever. You look at any given game, there's loads of formations, tweaks, little things that happen. Oh, yeah. yeah. There's, there's attacking formation when you've got the ball. There's a defensive formation when you don't. But it's pretty easy for the, the two wing backs, the two left and right midfielders in a three four three just to drop back to make a five. We saw that in the I think it was the Scottish Cup final um, against Celtic. Yeah, but that was doable. So I hope he's. Got, I say I hope he must have a plan B. Everybody should have a plan B. Well, I mean, what he said. I mean, he said after the Sterling game. So he said. Uh, about the three four three, Robbie Nielsen said, I think it's a system which suits the players we've got here already, and it's about adding a, wee, a wee bit of quality here and there um, that we need. Uh, we've got two systems. Towards the end of the Sterling game, we flipped into another one just to give us the balance. We moved into the four one four one, and it allows us to put a centre-back into the defensive midfield position. 
Um, I know we put Halliday in there, uh, but it's quite fluid, and we can make the change if we need to. So that it's exactly what he moved to. Um, we were two 0 up, just kind of playing out to the end of the game, and he switched to a four one four one, and it was Halliday sitting in front of the the back four. Um, it was quite fluid for a moment. It looked like he was going to go four two three one or four one three two maybe, but um, in the end, Nongtuie kind of was left up front on his own, and Halliday was the second midfielder. So I suppose that's another option. I mean, four one four one would, I guess, be on paper maybe a slightly more conservative approach. It does really depend on personnel because, like you say, a three four three, you can suddenly become um, a five three. A five-three-two, um, or a well, however, whoever drops in, but basically, it can come a, become a back five. Um, Joel scared. Interestingly, I saw in the evening, Edward Evening News, he was talking about the three-four-three and the fact that since Robbie changed to this formation in April, it's now seven games, no goals conceded, twenty goals scored, and he definitely seems to be favouring this as our, I guess, our. Our, our system of choice and it was also a good point I thought by Joel that nine players have started th- three of those those three competitive games this season so the same nine players mm-hmm. so there's he's, I, I think it's quite clear he's building he's trying to build I guess a more solid unit and a system they're comfortable with whereas last season we had a lot of signings a lot of new bodies coming in there was a lot of rotation and playing around with things early on I thought whereas he seems to be very settled on this and um, it does seem to suit a lot of these players I, I think it's you know with Ginelli and Gary McKay-Steven it does I think it really suits the likes of them to be in those attacking positions whereas we couldn't always find a good position for them especially Gary McKay-Steven early on um, Smith I think is terrific you know we've seen him play centre back and right back really well but he's just you know he seems to be getting um, a new lease of life every every season. He seems to be getting better now, which I think is great to see. And you know, that Cove game, albeit against third tier opposition, he was just everywhere. Um, so I think it suits a lot of the team well. My concern, if you know, if we want to look at both sides of it, my concern with the system is defensively, um, and obviously that becomes more of a concern the, the tougher the game you have. But even against Sterling, I thought a couple of times. They got in between the lines a bit easier than you would hope. You know, I think they let us play the ball around, let us push the likes of Smith and Cochran right into attacking positions. You know, Suter likes to step up as well. And they did try and hit us with a bit of pace. And although they didn't, you know, didn't test Craig Gordon and we looked fairly comfortable, we're playing Sterling Albion. If you're playing Celtic or even Hibs or Aberdeen or a lot of other teams in the Premiership, they will be less forgiving with space opening up on the break like that. Correct. But you can only beat what's in front of you. You would hope to beat them with a bit of style and a bit of panache. It depends on your viewpoint. It depends on... on if, you, if you've got this permanent kind of cloud hanging over you and it doesn't matter what Robbie Nielsen does and you're, you're not going to be happy till he goes, then that's fine. I saw that after the Sunderland game and I was embarrassed by a few of the comments. I mean, come on, for fuck's sake. It's a game against Sunderland. We played all right. He's testing things out. He's trying things out. Now, I'm not wanting to come across as, as some sort of blinkered cheerleader that no matter what happens, I'm always going to stick up for Robbie. I think we've proved in the past that we don't do that. We, there are there are times, and for those that say, oh, you give him, a, you give him an easy ride on a podcast, this isn't Andrew Neil on BBC One on a Sunday morning. This is a fan's podcast with two people, one who still works for the club, one who used to work for the club, who have contacts at the football club, and we are doing this... Um, because we love doing it, we enjoy doing it, and we want to use the contacts to give you an insight into the views of Robbie Nielsen, of Craig Gordon, of Lee McCulloch and others. And I was pleased, I was delighted to to see Joe Savage um, on another Hearts podcast. I'm all for that, because the more we hear from them, the more we can understand. And I've said before, it's difficult to make full comment about something, not just me, anybody, when you don't know even half the story. So if we're getting enlightened by guys like Joe and and others on whatever podcast, Jamie Walker's been on one as well. I think that's great. So 
Yes, Robbie comes on. Robbie's given up his free time to come on. Joe gave up his free time um, to go on the other podcast as well. So what are you expecting from that? You expecting a grilling? Could we have had tougher questions? Well, I thought some of the questions, I mean, mine were softballs. I get that. I'm fine with that. You played the bad cop that day. I didn't have a problem with that. I just wanted at the end of that to know that I could message Robbie or Craig or whoever and say, you want to come back on? They'd be like, yeah, fine. No problem with that. Because you could easily, you could screw things up so quickly. This isn't an Andrew Neil or a Sky News um, kind of grilling of a politician. And we're we're doing it to try and give you more of an insight into into the football club. I'm not asking you to like everything that Robbie says because there was a fair bit of the stuff that he said that I was like, oh, okay, maybe that's interesting. Not sure someone else would have said that, but that that's the way it is these days. And getting access is is the hardest part, but keeping access isn't easy. So for the comments after the Sunderland game, it just it annoyed me when it shouldn't annoy me, and I. I saw today that, that Twitter is experimenting with a kind of beta version of, of the dislike button, as if this fucking social media platform doesn't have enough negativity as it is. But that, that, look, that's on me. I, can, I don't need to pick up my phone. I don't need to go on the platform on my laptop or, or whatever. That's, that's something I have to deal with. And you've got me on my soapbox now, you bastard. I, I, I did not even encourage that whatsoever. That just that just came out i know what you mean i mean i didn't uh, you know for what's worth it what what did you take from this sunderland game it was obviously a lot of rotation a lot of bodies out there i as i say i didn't manage to catch that one so it's a pre-season game i've seen i don't know how many pre-season games over a hundred over the years and they're boring they're dull they're not for fans there should be free entry to all these games if everyone was allowed to to be in um, it, it's basically a practice match. It's an exercise. And Robbie, look, Robbie was was happy with with what he saw. There was a run out for a few of the kids as well. A um, couple of things I want to mention with regarding spe- specifics. I think there was what was the chance? Was it the Cove Rangers game when um, Finley Pollock had that chance and Chris Sutton destroyed him on the on the TV? Um, but that, but that, that's this is the world that we live in. Finley. Finley Pollock, um, at his age, coming into to a heart side from a heart's family. I love that story. I really do. I love the fact that we've got a, a youngster who's coming through the ranks. He's performing well. His family are so proud of him. That's the kind of stories that you want to hear more of. And I think it's, it's, it's an exercise in for Robbie to say to, to the other kids, those that are, are, are sticking around and not going out on loan, look, Finley's taking his chance. So work hard to get your chance, and then when you get it, try and take it. Because it'll not just, I hope, be a case of we're going to put you in for one game and give you 50 minutes at the end, and if you don't score or perform well, you'll never see the first team again. This isn't Dylan Beaky time. So I think with Finley Pollock, I've been really impressed, just by the way he's handled everything, mm-hmm. especially given the current climate, when God knows what's going on behind closed doors and people can't get out or, or whatever with the restrictions. But the other person I want to mention is, is Gary Mackay Stephen, because we've, we're, we're seeing the Gary Mackay Stephen we thought we were signing, aren't we? Yeah, definitely. It looks like old old Gary Mackay Stephen, or younger Gary Mackay Stephen when he was so impressive yeah, got, at Dungeon United. We've, 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 got, the, we've got the right one, haven't we? Not, not like, I wonder if that story was ever true about signing the wrong player when we when we got Husef Muzumic. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> You never know back then. It's a good point about Pollock because, I mean, we we obviously digressed a little into the formation, but, you know, the two goals um, were were great to see in different ways. The first one, because Gary McKay-Steven was just ridiculous. It was just... It was filthy, wasn't it? The little back heel through the Sterling defender's legs. You've you've either got that or you've not, Laurie. You don't... You can teach someone to try and do that, but that's instinctive. Mm -hmm. That is Gary McKay-Steven. And... He came in, uh, the, the season over here is different, it kind of, it goes March through October time, so he's, he was all over the place when he joined, he, he'd, he'd been, I know he played once I think in the, I think it was the CONCACAF Champions League, but he, he, he needed the, the pre-season and, and we saw towards the end of last season that he was, he was getting more consistent and getting there. Because there were after four or five games, you, you wonder, what, what, what's happened here? This isn't the same guy that went to America that's come back from America. But that through ball, 
you either have that or you don't. And he's got that. But you also need someone to be on the same wavelength. And I'm looking forward to seeing... I know there won't be a betting market for top assists, but I think Gary McKay-Steven will be up there. But when the betting market comes out for top goal scorer, if I can get double digits on Liam Boyce, and if Gary McKay-Steven and Josh Dinelli can stay fit and provide him with ammunition, I think double. I don't know if we'll get double digits. I would hope we did for a newly promoted side back in the Premiership. If the bookies are generous and give us double digits, if they give us 20 to 1, do that each way for top four. I think that's your... That's your best bet of the season, closely followed by Aberdeen to miss out on the top six. I think you're being... I don't know if the bookies will be as generous as that with us. Um, Just saying. But, no, I, I, it's a good point on Mackay Stephen, and the second one was obviously something you were touching upon there. Finlay Pollock, um, you know, it was a, a simple tapping in the end, but it's it's great to see him score, and he's deserved that because I've, I've been really impressed with him, and a few people mentioned that yep. he stood out against Sunderland as well. Just his willingness to get on the ball... And and be progressive, want the ball from his teammates, and and get stuck in as well. To be honest, he's put in a few challenges, um, which I think is good as well. Because sometimes the players come in, and he's obviously still quite slight. He's still got a bit of um, a bit of developing to do in that sense physically, but you know doesn't shirk a challenge. Um, and you know, just terrific to see from someone who only turned seventeen last month. Do I remember Laurie? He got booked at Wraith Rovers towards the end of the season. He'd just come on. I think one of the first things he did was conceded a foul and, and was cautioned for it. But there's there's different types of characters, um, especially in, in kind of sport, among young people who, who come into a, a sport. You can be overawed. You can be intimidated. And unless you get rid of that, you're going to be an also-ran, regardless of the talent that, that you have. Because you, you, you've... You've got to believe you belong, and I think Finlay does. Now, it's young. I'm sorry, he's young. It's early. Who knows what will happen? But I, as long as the right decisions are made, and I know a few people, a few talented youngsters in, in two or three different sports that made the wrong decision. Um, a couple of them with regards to the representation that they had. Uh, one who decided to go with a family member rather than an agent after being approached by a big name. So there's lots of little decisions away from football where you've, not necessarily you, but your family have to make the right decision. So I hope that, I don't know the, the, the family at all. Um, I'm pleased that they're, they're heart supporters. And I would like to think that when it comes to knowing what's best for their child, at times they're not blinkered by this whole hearts supporting narrative and they let someone from the outside not necessarily have the final say but perhaps a representative who isn't as closely connected to the football club um, have a say and then they can decide what, what they want to do because from what I've seen so far I love this kid You spoke about the the youngsters and obviously Pollock especially. So I, I thought it'd be quite interesting because I know a lot of people are talking about, you know, Robbie's mentioned they're weighing up options to send players out and they might play. I know people quote him on the amount of games he said and say, well, not, not everyone plays that, but basically we'll send them out to a lower league team where they play more games or do we keep them here and they'll maybe play a handful and be back up. Um, so I thought it'd be interesting to go through some of the youngsters who are in the mix at the moment and see what you think about what Hearts will do with them. Um, Scott McGill obviously went on loan to Airdrieonians and if you haven't seen it, get on on Twitter, I think it's on the Premier Sports Twitter page scores an absolute raker off the bench against Motherwell um, last night at the time of recording, that was on Wednesday evening, so it's really good to see came on against a Premiership club obviously and just gets the ball 22-23 yards out, works onto his right foot and just cracks it beautifully into the top left corner. Keeper doesn't even move for it. Um, so, so that's good to see, and that shows some of the benefits of, of sending players out where they'll get more game time. It was interesting to read that um, Robbie was talking about Cammy Logan, who's 19 now, who's just recovering from a back injury, which is why we've not seen um, any of him pre-season yet, but he's expected to provide backup to Michael Smith. 
Um, so quick quote from Robbie, he said, um, we do have high hopes for him, that's Cammy Logan, I wanted him in the first team squad competing with Michael Smith this year, but obviously that hasn't happened so far, hopefully once he's fully fit he will be pushing in there, it's important to have competition for places. Um, so obviously remember, Jimmy Brandon's out, he got a ruptured cruciate knee ligament, um, so he's out till later in the year, I think it's like October or November time. So looks like Cammy Logan at the moment will potentially be backup deputising for Michael Smith if need be. Um, the four I was going to throw out to you, Mark, um, Finlay Pollock is the one you've spoken about. I'll go to him first. 17, only just 17, five senior appearances now, got his first goal. Where do you think he sits in this? Is he someone that you keep around just now to get some experience yep. or is he still too young and maybe that loan deal to a League One side or the likes would be more beneficial. If there's one phrase I'm, I'm not a fan of in sport, it's still too young. <laughs> Why? I mean, let's not get carried away with what could happen, but if you don't get the opportunity, then how are you going to be able to make an impact? I mean, Pele at 17 and all the way down. If you're good enough, then you're old enough as far as I'm concerned. So I'm, I'm keeping him around and I'm, and I'm having him as a, as a member of the squad who can make an impact. And it's yeah. up to him when given the opportunity, as I said earlier, if he makes an impact, then you're keeping him in the team and it's up to others to displace him. Mm-hmm. But first of all, he's, he's got to perform and, and get into the side. So keeping him around. Okay. Uh, I mean, the, the devil's advocate, I suppose, is that if they're around and they're not quite ready yet is it more beneficial to play 20 plus games and actually get those under your belt but i I get that i mean i'm i would certainly be holding on to him for the time being um you know we we don't have a huge squad was it 22 senior players at the moment i know we will add a few more i think minimum two probably three maybe it depends on who goes it could be more on top of that but yeah at the moment he's, he's playing well why not keep him around um Ewan Henderson is 21 now, um, 15 appearances and three goals last season. He has now almost got 50 appearances for Hearts. <sighs> he had some good flashes last season. Um, we've not seen much of him this preseason and League Cup. I, I don't know if this feels like if he's not going to be getting in the team now, then he's not going to be getting in the team. This for me is dependent on if Hearts sign another striker. If they don't, I keep him around. Because a, a Liam Boyce injury, or an Andre injury, mm-hmm. and then what do we have? We're down to the bare bones. The last yeah. thing you want is to, to have someone elsewhere and not be able to call them back because of various terms and conditions. So, if we add a striker or a front man, I put him out on loan. If we don't, I keep him. Simple as that. Okay. Um, Connor Smith, mm. 19... Um, Seven games last season for our both, 12 for Cove. Um, was in and around the team when he was younger and now has been getting a few more flashes. Um, what do you think of him? I haven't seen enough of him to, to, to make a decent um, argument for or against. What would you say his best position is? Wing-back? No, I always... He, he was tended to be a midfielder, kind of attacking central midfielder from what I know. And again, like you, I've not seen a lot of him, but I know he's been utilised. I think we were just lacking in in wing-back players, basically players to cover that position. But I know we played him in the attacking, more attacking role. I think you came in off the left when he came in in the Cove game briefly. Yeah, I Um, mean, I know he came, I just saw he came off the bench against Sterling um, for the last five minutes. I I, I don't want to, I don't want to kind of go down a hole of, trying to sound like I know what I'm talking about when I don't, because I do that often enough anyway. So with him, I, I don't I don't know. This is this is where people who work with him on a daily basis are the yeah. best people to ask. So I, I don't know the answer to that. Yeah, and he's I guess just at nineteen he's maybe that point where it's um I think a loan deal would, another loan deal would probably suit him if he's not gonna get around him. He's gonna be I think he'd be twenty before the season is up. Um, he also got, de- you know, 19 games in total last season is decent. So I, I would probably be leaning towards a loan deal from what I've seen from him so far. 
but we'll see what happens. Uh, I don't know if the interesting one is another that you know neither of us can claim to have seen much of, but I thought worth mentioning because he got his first team debut against Cove, 17-year-old Aidan Denham. Um, he has been talked about before, and um, <laughs> one of the reasons I mention it is because he was the player that Ryan McGowan picked out when we were chatting um, on WhatsApp. Uh, obviously, when he was training with the Hearts' younger players last season, when he was keeping himself ticking over, when he was back over in Edinburgh, he was that was the player that stood out for Ryan. So, um, just interesting to see how he develops because he's obviously now on the fringes. Was he one of the five that signed the new long-term deals relatively recently? Um, I don't think they were long-term, but. I well, they were pro- professional kind of deals. Yeah, and and maybe there were si- the the six the fifteen to sixteen year olds that that kind of put pen to paper. He was one was, of the was, players that signed, but yeah, I think it was. I, I'd need to go and double check, but I think they were maybe all given possibly two year deals, or it was, it was okay. yeah, they were given professional contracts. Yeah, so Aiden's a central midfielder, isn't he? Again, he from from what I understand, he can play in there, but can play off the, the wide area so more of a inside forward attacking midfielder what do we do with with players like that because putting someone out on loan sounds as though well, that's 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 a decent idea but you've, you've you've got to you've got to put them to the right place you've got to put them to the right club if I knew that Aiden was going to be playing every week I'd send them out on loan but it's very difficult I mean we're not we're not like one of the the big clubs that say, well, if you, if you want him on loan, you've got to pay all these wages, you've got to guarantee that he starts a certain number of games if he's fit, and all sorts of terms and, con- and conditions. I would like to think that Aidan Denham, I, I'd like to see him have a, certainly six months, take him to January in, in League Two, and see how he gets on there, um, if he's going to play, because he's, he's, I don't know, five, six, seventh choice, uh, when everyone's fit yeah. of, of getting of getting a game, so that's when I think the loan system can be beneficial if you can place them in the right place. And I like what they've done with Harry Stone. They started him out non-league, then they kind of moved him up the up the, the football ladder, and now he's yeah. in the the championship with with Partick. That's that's the right way to do it if you've got someone already in place like Craig Gordon that you know he's not gonna he's not gonna start. I'm sure they could recall him if Craig got hurt or or whatever, and I hope he doesn't. We've still got Ross Stewart. Um, I mean, ultimately, Ross Stewart's a placeholder. He's there in case something happens to Craig. Harry's away getting experience. Whenever Craig hangs up his gloves, which I don't think it's going to be any time soon, then Harry will come in. So that's something that they've got a plan for, and, and I agree with that. With Aidan Denham, again, I, I, I don't know. I just I don't know what the situation is, Laurie. I'm, I'm not up to speed enough with, with the Colts. I know... The, the the B team is is playing in the the kind of championship through League Two trophy or whatever it's called these days that we never played in because um, it, it didn't exist last year. But there is a B team. Is there a reserve league or an under twenty one league still going? Or what's it no, no. But I know that Joe Savage had mentioned it's something that they would like to see return, and if it doesn't, they will organise sort of unofficial reserve stroke BT matches. Rangers did that a couple of years ago. I think it was a couple of years ago. They, I don't think they played in the actual reserve or under 21 league and they just played friendlies against teams from Europe, a lot of English teams and, and whatever. Um, and it's funny, we're talking about what should we do with certain players. I, I think it's really interesting that Kai Kennedy is, uh, is going to Dun, uh, Dunfermline on loan. I mean, I think he'll be the best player in the league. He's a super player. Yeah. He was at Wraith last year on, on loan. And they've already turned down a couple of bids from, from West Ham for him. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what, what he does at Dunfermline because if if he plays to the, the his capabilities, then he should be head and shoulders above a lot of the other players in, in that league. But that's a decision that they've, they've taken, um, Rangers. If he stuck around, he would probably be on the bench on a few games and, and might get on. Um, but is that the best use of his time? Is that the best way to um, to prepare a player for the rest of his career? I, I want miles on the clock. If I'm a coach, if I'm a manager, I want my players to be out there. If I know that they're only going to get 10 minutes here or there, it's not really any use to me 
when I know they could be playing 80 or 90 minutes, maybe at a lower level, but give me the experience any day over a 10-minute run-out. That's my thought about all that. That takes me nicely into a quiz of sorts. Um, Trying to keep it relevant to talking about younger players and pathways, journeys to mm-hmm. to the first team or for their careers. What I've done this week, I have got four players um, and I'm going to give you their kind of story or part of their story without telling you uh-huh. who they are. Okay. Um, some kind of a bit of variety in their own journeys in football. And are they all at hearts just now? No, no, no. No, I, I, I thought it'd be a bit too easy if I did that. So this is four players who have played for Hearts at some point in their career. Um, Before we do that, I'm going to throw a, a, a totally left field question at you. Okay. Off the top of your head, which player was the last player to score a competitive goal against Craig Gordon for uh, in, in a Hearts game? My apologies. I. I know it, unfortunately, because it was in my commentary notes. It was Jason Cummings oh, from the I'd penalty forgo- spot. I'd forgotten. Yeah, I'd forgotten um, in the in the Dundee game. Um, I, 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 I couldn't even remember. Start of March. It was a while ago now. <laughs> yeah, 6th of March. He got a penalty after we were 2-0 up. Um, the, yeah, last, anyway. the last player to score against Hearts competitively all-in, because it wasn't against Craig Gordon. Well, they scored against Ross Stewart, didn't they? In the, was it the Queen of the South game? Yep. Yeah. Andy Irving. Oh. <laughs> oh, the own goal? Yeah. Yeah, so it was. That's a good one. Right, right oh, this, so this, got, this quiz. This yeah, I've got four players. So I'll give you I've, I've got, I'll give you their story, and then don't tell okay. me the answer straight away. I'll come back to them after I've done all four, so those of you who are listening can can play along, and we'll see if you can get them. It'd just it'd be interesting to see how obvious it is and how different these players' kind of um, journeys were. So, let's go. So, player A. Player A came through the ranks at a third division side, made almost 40 senior appearances for them over two seasons before being purchased by Hearts at the age of 18 for £30,000. He was actually 20 before he made a debut for Hearts and uh, had only got four starts for them by the time he was 21. Uh, went on to play 95 times, scored 13 goals, and has played most of his career in Scotland with a brief spell in England. So that's player A. Player B, yeah, player B came through the ranks at a top-flight Scottish club, but ended up moving to England at 19, but only spent one season there before returning to Scotland. And over the next seven years, would spend more time in the second tier of Scottish football than the top. And at 26, he was playing second tier football when he was signed by Hearts. So, brief spell in England when he was younger. Seven years out at kind of yo-yo in Scotland, but more time in the second tier than the top over those seven years when he returned. And was 26 by the time he signed for Hearts. Okay. Player C... Signed for Hearts at 16, made his debut at just 17 years old, got his first goal at 18 and actually made his 50th appearance just a few weeks after his 20th birthday. These are tough. Okay. I'll add, okay, so for, for that one, so because that's maybe a bit more. So signed for Hearts at 16, debut at 17, first goal at 18, 50th appearance just after he turned 20. But by the time he was 25, he'd be playing third tier football in Scotland. Ooh. Dear. Well, that but third tier could be Rangers. In fairness, uh, it could, it could. But in, but it's not. I'm trying to get clues, but you're not, you're not helping. Okay, player D mm-hmm. came through the youth system at Hearts, was loaned to the fourth tier before he broke into the Hearts team. Before he'd made a single appearance, uh, didn't actually make a senior appearance until he was twenty. Um, even then, he was loaned out again. This time to the second tier. Um, at 22, still only had 26 senior appearances for Hearts. Um, at 23, he was back at Hearts and then finally became a regular. This is another one who spent most of his career, career in Scotland after that, but with a two-year spell in England. 
I'm going to be one for four here. Okay. Well, I can maybe give you some tidbits as we go through to see mm-hmm. if you can okay. help you. So, player A, so I think you've got this one anyway because there was a bit more specifics in this one. So. I got it from the transfer fee. <laughs> right, okay. So, came through the ranks at a third division side, almost 40 appearances there before Hearts bought him at the age of 18 for £30,000. I probably should have said the transfer fee then. Thank you for doing so, otherwise it would be zero for four. So it is... David Templeton. Yes, it is. 95 appearances, 13 goals. Um, yeah, he's one of those... I remember signing him and then he just went off the radar for a while until he suddenly popped up with a sub-appearance. But that was after the age of 20. So a bit of a a slow, slow burn. I mean, we're talking about Finlay Pollock coming in at 16 and already impressing at 17. You know, that's a bit different. Um Anyway, player B came through the ranks at a top-flight Scottish club, ended up moving to England at 19, only spent one season there before returning to Scotland. Um, over the next seven years, would spend more time in the second tier of Scottish football than the top, and he was 26 playing second-tier football when he was signed by Hearts. It's not Ryan Stevenson, is it? No. More successful at Hearts than Ryan Stevens. That's all I got. That's all I got. Um, I don't know. Um, let me see. What else can I give you? Most of them are too obvious. Um, let's see. <laughs> give me, give me, give me his surname. Okay, I'll. <laughs> he's got. He's actually got two league titles in Scotland and three major cups as well in Scotland to his name there. Is it someone at St Johnston? He was at St Johnston when Hart signed him. Oh, okay. So someone we got from St Johnston. Uh, Jamie? No, Jamie Hamill was. You're, you're thinking too obscure. Not obscure, but obscure. That's not the right word. It's, it? it's it's more obvious than what you're thinking. Ah, oh, my head's pickled. What's the answer? Mr. Paul Hartley. Well, of course. Was it Hibs? Now. Was it Hibs yeah. as a youngster? Ended up going to Millwall. I think he was went That's to Hibs right. Town. Oh, it's obvious now. And yeah, then moved to England. Uh, he was just before he turned 20, I think. Or he was 19 anyway. Um, brief time with Millwall before he went back up to Scotland with Wraith and then St. Johnston for, for a few years. And yeah, he was, playing, he was playing in the old First Division 26 so when... Craig Levine signed him. He was Billy Stark the, was the one that moved him from right. Yeah, back moved him from because he'd been out in the wing for most of his career, yeah, and yeah. Billy Stark moved him into the centre. And I remember him at Hibs. He was part of a decent Hibs side. We used to cover them when, when Hearts were. Uh, I think, did we do the away team in Edinburgh at Radio Fourth for a while? So yeah, you did yeah, both. When when you saw when you saw him at um, at Hibs, just a very different player from the one that we signed, but. Oh, that the 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 Hamden hat trick against Hibbs, and then having having the balls, which that's the type of character he was, but he was probably the calmest man in the ground when he just before he scored that penalty against Aberdeen at the start of May two thousand and six to send us into the the Champions League qualifiers. Just I love a, that man. Just an interesting journey as well, considering it you know, is yeah. past his mid twenties. Never been near a Scotland team. Great um, lesson, isn't it? If you're struggling or whatever, and you think you're not going to be able to do something, but keep banging away, keep banging away, and and who knows, it's not going to work for for us all. But perseverance in this instance paying off. Well, this was a slightly different one because he was signed by Hearts at 16. Player C, debut at 17. Oh, trying to keep goal, us away from the quiz. First goal at 18. Um, 50th appearance a few weeks after his 20th birthday, but by the time he was 25, he'd be playing third-tier football in Scotland, and it never got any better than that. It was Aloha he was at, incidentally, by that point. Was it Jamie Moe? No, but you're going down the right track. Uh, Callum Elliott? Yes. Um, It was Callum, was it? Callum Elliott, who um, shot to stardom (laughs) with... When he was introduced as a teenager, yeah, it's crazy to think when you talk about number of appearances and um, you know, a few weeks after his twentieth birthday, he made his fiftieth appearance, and Templeton was even in the team at that age, at that point. 
Callum's manager of Trinent Juniors now, yes, I believe. Yes, and here's the thing that tickled me when I was looking at Callum Elliott. Um, played and also managed a team called Mousehole. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. no. Mousehole. This is like your Dundee United is some African slang. No, that's that's uh, that's true as well. Come on. Mousehole is a village in Cornwall, and and Callum Elliott moved there as a player, and have ended up being a temporary manager as well of a team called Mousehole in this, and they, they play in the <laughs> Southwest Peninsula League. I'm not I'm not debating that, but. Surely, given the proximity to France, it would sound better being called Museole or something like that. <laughs> look, listen to this. I what? Just, I just typed in. I just typed Uh-oh. in the search, and the two stories that come up are <laughs> Callum Elliot leaves Mousehole in good shape. Such <laughs> He's got the giggles. There's another one as well. He's gone. He is gone. Don't edit this. He's gone. He's <laughs> gone. What? What could it possibly be? It's not even that funny now. Callum Elliott ready to take mouse hold to the next level. Is that the best he can do? For the headline, when you've got a thing called mouse hole, there must be. Yes. They've got a squeak going into the second line or something. <laughs> There's just cheese or yeah. something. I mean, I'm still coming to terms with the fact. I, I don't know if it appears on anybody else's Wikipedia page. But there is a section on Callum's Wikipedia page that simply says Jalgiris Vilnius and Aloha Athletic. I mean, those two. T- I'd forgotten he had a season over in Lithuania before he went to Aloha. But mouse holes tops the I lot. Just, I just, oh. I just like how there's a London Hearts page that says um, players who've played for both Hearts and Mousehole. Mousehole. <laughs> Surprisingly, there's only one. <clears throat> um, we need to send one of them on loan. One of the boys earlier that we were talking on about. Loan to Mousehole. Yeah. Oh dear. Yeah. Anyway, oh, Jesus. <clears throat> so that was Calamelli. Okay, player D. <laughs> Can't talk mousehole. Um, came through the youth system of hearts. That's um, the title of this podcast. <laughs> loaned to the fourth tier uh, before he broke into the hearts team. Um, didn't make a senior appearance until he was um, 20. And even then he was loaned out again, this time to the second tier. And he was 22 when that happened. Um, so he came back to hearts at 23 when he finally became a regular Um Another who spent most of his career in Scotland with a couple of years in England. I don't know the answer to this, but I find it interesting that someone's gone out on loan twice. Yeah, and, it is. Hasn't, I, mean, I, can, I can look. I can see that happening. It happens down in England quite a lot. But once you get to a certain age, a team like Hearts, you've got to think, I'm not going to make it here. So to become a regular, whoever this player is, and I don't know, and I hope you're going to tell me. Uh, that's, that's something that doesn't happen very often. Yeah, it's quite interesting because, and I just said about Ewan Henderson because he's 21 and I'm thinking, right, it's now or never. If you're not a regular now, that's it. <clears throat> um, but this player went on loan to Cowdenbeath before he was in the Hearts team, but then after a couple of years in the Hearts team, was loaned to few, Queen of the South. It wasn't Jason Thompson, was it? No, right position, though. A right back. Um, wasn't Lockie? Was it Lockie? No. I don't know. Who's a Cowdenbeath? Callum Patterson? No. This is, this is going to be like the Paul Hartley one when it's it's too obvious. Robbie Nielsen? Yes. Yeah. I, forgot, I mean, he was loaned to Cowdenbeath in season 99-2000. And then he, I think he played 26 times for Hearts, but then we loaned him in 2002 to 2003 to Queen of the South for the I think it was the second half of the season because he won the Challenge Cup there, <clears throat> so it's interesting he was got a you know a loan to the second tier at that point, uh, something you kind of forget about. And obviously went on to play um, play almost two hundred, but one game short of two hundred and fifty appearances for Hearts. Club captain, Scottish Cup winner in two thousand and six, then 
got moved to the English Championship, played with Leicester, of course, and got himself a Scotland cap. So, um, yeah, that, that that's another kind of interesting pathway, if we want to call it that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as, as Robbie said with us, he wasn't the most talented player, but like in management, he, he knows you've kind of got to go that extra step at times. If, if you don't quite have the ability of, of others, there are other ways that you can make up ground by doing certain things. So interesting, interesting career. Uh, and ended up at Leicester, of course. So Yes. Yeah, good quiz. Uh, Didn't end up at Mouse Hole, though. Let's go. Right, before we go, uh, we better look ahead to Hearts' next game, which is um, coming up on <laughs> on Sunday. I just got a message from my other half in the other room saying, is there a woman giggling in our living room? <coughs> um, yes, it probably sounded that way. Hearts play Inverness Cali Thistle on Sunday. Tea time kickoff, live on Premier Sports in the Premier Sports Cup. Um Group already won. Followed, followed by the draw. Yes, followed by the draw for the next round. So group already won, thanks to results going hearts fa- in Hearts' favour and having won three out of three. So they will qualify for the second round, regardless of what happens on Sunday. However, um, there is a chance if they can get a fourth win to be seeded, and it could come down to goal difference, um, as one of the three best group winners who then go into the mix with the... European teams, uh, the Scottish teams who've been in Europe, I should say. <laughs> We're not throwing European teams into the Premier Sports Cup. Ma- um, Mousehole will be at home. <laughs> God, Mousehole will probably be in that. Um, it's not the, the Tunnock's Caramel Wafer Cup still, is it? They throw in English and know, Welsh you, teams and stuff. You're still calling it the Skull Cup for the League Cup, so I don't know if you're the person to ask. Uh, CIS Insurance Cup. Anyway, um, looking ahead to this on Sunday, Mark, I don't think it's going to be a case of. Uh, well, Robbie said this. He's, it's not going to be a case of him thrown out a second string. And I think one motivation will, will be to to win the group and and obviously be seeded. But I think the bigger motivation here is momentum ahead of the Celtic game. Keep the yeah. confidence going. Hopefully, keep the clean sheet and winning run going, and keep building ahead of that big game the week after. Yeah, I think proximity of of uh, this game to the the first league game. Um, it determines what we do. If it had been a, a midweek game prior to a league opener or prior to a league fixture at the weekend, I think it's a different story, especially if you've already qualified. But you just don't want to provide anyone with any ammunition that they can have a go. You want to go in to the Celtic game, building on momentum, four wins, four clean sheets, ideally. So I think you'll make one or two changes. I don't think you'll make wholesale changes. No. Craig will want to play, um, of course, because he wants this streak to continue of not just clean sheets, but also games played because he's desperate to reach 100. So you're going to have a, our best goalkeeper in goal. And I don't see why you wouldn't keep going and, and persevere with the things that are working. And middle to front, why, why give someone an opportunity for a run out? You could do that for the last half hour. But why do that from the start when you've got something that's working? You've got Janelli on one side, Mackay Stephen on the other, boys through the middle. So I've got four of my starters already. I've got Gordon in goal. I've got Boyce, Mackay Stephen and um, Janelli up front. He may play non duie instead of Boyce. Again, no issue if, if he does. Um, but I just think with that, if you've got something that's working, why would you change it slightly, knowing if you can get that momentum to go into the Celtic? Because that'll be the three that star against Celtic. Yeah, the only I reason think, you yeah. wouldn't do it is is knocks and niggles and bumps, bruises and, and injuries or, or whatever. But as I said, there's six days between the Inverness game and the, the Celtic game. So as far as the middle of the park, I, I, I'll be intrigued, A, to see... In his heart of hearts, how many players he thinks he's got penned in, not penciled in, but surefire starters for the Celtic game. What do you reckon? You reckon it's maybe nine, possibly I think, ten? <clears throat> I think you've hit the nail on the head with the middle of the park thing. I think, assuming everyone's fit, it's Gordon and goals, it's going to be the same back three we've seen, Suter, 
Halkett, Kingsley. Likely. It's yeah. going to be Congre- Cochrane left, Smith Smith right. It'll be GMS, Ginelli flanking Boyce up front. The middle is the interesting part because Halliday was terrific against Cove, um, but I thought the midfield was our weakest part of the game against Sterling, He, him and, um, and Haring. And I think McInef hasn't quite got going yet in the early no, games of the season. So, so I, I would suggest that I would have probably leaned towards it being Haring and Halliday before the Sterling game. However, I thought they, it was our, a kind of weaker area of the pitch in that particular match. So it is, a, and it is an interesting one because I would have probably gone with Haring and McInef at the start of the season before we'd played any of these cup games. Now, I just don't know. I think I think Haring will be important to be in there as the the kind of the, the more the more defensive the the one who'll mop things up, who'll read the game and will kind of cover the back three a bit more if need be. Um, especially against Celtic, who, despite their woes, will be one of the more threatening sides we'll face. Um, but who he partners, I I don't know. I really don't know. I mm-hmm. think I think this weekend could play a big part in that. Is Halliday against Celtic a, a <laughs> card waiting to happen? <clears throat> Potentially, but you could counter that with will Halliday against Celtic be as up for it and as keen to impress and as you know potentially a, a big player in a game like that he'll know what it's like he won't be overawed by the situation um, yeah it could go either way it could be he gets too too enthusiastic and and throws himself into a challenge I really don't know I think that's the, the only area where it's it's tough to call I would say 9 slash 10 yeah, of his fair. starting 11 for Celtic he would I, I would guess Robbie would right now have in his mind. I think that might be the only area where it's possibly going to be decided by how things go on Sunday. Plus, there's the opportunity, if I'm the, if I'm the boss, I'm saying to maybe a couple of fringe players, if I give them a chance on Sunday, look, I've made my mind up on the majority of the team, but the area you play in, I'm still not convinced. Let's see what you got. Play your way into my team to face Celtic. Mm-hmm. So... That kind of thing happened. Yeah, it happened. Happened in the Euros. Um, people were clamouring for for Billy Gilmore to start um, after his cameo against Luxembourg in the the final friendly. So I, I, I don't think you can underestimate the, the the potential of having an opportunity, however many minutes you get. But some people can open doors. But it's up to the people going through the doors to, to take the opportunity. And I doubt, I doubt you're going to see Demur starting. So I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if one of the lineups that's already played in the League Cup starts against Celtic. I think that makes the most sense. Neither would I. But we, we will be back to preview Celtic in more detail next week and have a chat about the, the Inverness game that will have taken place by then. Um, and hopefully I'll be able to keep my composure <clears throat> a little bit more next time around. I'm just I'm just disappointed because having done a chapter of Paul Mariner's book about a pre-season tour in Cornwall featuring Penzance, St. Austell and various other little places down there, I can't believe that Mousehole wasn't even mentioned. Yeah, apparently, I'm sure I saw Penzance mentioned that they might have... Yeah. Um, in 2018, a approach was made by Mousehole concerning a possible merger between themselves and neighbours Penzance AFC amid concerns that Trungle Park may not prove viable as Mousehole progressed. Correct. Let's Trungle. Let's say let, let's say farewell. Yep. And, um, let's go. You can apo- you can apologise <clears throat> to your whatever she is wife girlfriend um, other half. I don't know. What do you call her these days? She'd want to be called the wife, but that's. But it's not true, so... Ooh, are you under P, son? Are you under P? <laughs> Let's he's not go there. P. Let's he get back to Mousehole. Back to oh, Mousehole. under P. I'm going to leave it there. There's the grenade, son. I hope she's, I hope she's eavesdropping on this. Hopefully what are you not. talking about? Right, I'm ducking out. See you next time, guys. <laughs> Here comes the... Go and play Angry Anderson suddenly as they're going out tune for Scott and Charlene's wedding. Piss he's... off. <laughs> 
I'm going to be that because I'm not from here and call it mouse hole but that's not how it's pronounced no, is it no Richard we pronounce it mousel down here mousel mousel <laughs>